Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns with me, Blake Lambert Hack, your weekly true crime paranormal podcast. This season, I am covering cases from the Big Apple, New York City, the city that I am currently living in and loving every second of it. Today, I went and saw the movie Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe someone I never expected to see in a horror movie for whatever reason, but I'm was kind of living for it. It was not a good movie. Like the graphics are interesting. Some of the choices are interesting. I wouldn't necessarily call it scary, but it's like the exorcist meets the Da Vinci code. And I want like, six move six more movies i want a series i think it'd be really fun i want russell crowe to be the center of all of them his character is really great it's this priest who's hired by the pope to perform exorcisms across the world i guess and he's funny he's sensitive he's great i love that character so i need more anymore anyone who's listening i need more of the pope's exorcist and i think we'll get more i mean they hinted at it near the end of the movie they're like look at these other cases that you can go solve so i think we'll get there but it was a fun ride it wasn't it was a fun ride also friday night was rupaul's drag race finale and our queen our goddess Sasha Colby won, and she deserves. I knew from the moment she walked in, she was going to win. She was incredible. I mean, Mistress was a close second for me, but I think she'll do great on an upcoming All-Stars, and I think Anitra will do great on like one of those versus the world seasons, and I'm sure we'll see Lux on an All-Star at some point, and it was a great season. Everyone was fantastic, but Sasha Colby, stunning. Charisma, uniqueness, nerve, talent, stunning. Could not have picked a better winner. Incredible. And then I went to a listening party for an artist named Jordy. Incredible musician, his uh, pop singer, just a great person. I've seen his, I saw him live last year in Chicago and I don't know where he gets all the energy he has, but I love it. And I would love just an ounce of that energy, (laughs) but I went to a listening party for him for his new album that comes out. Well, you're listening to this on Friday, so it comes out today. So go listen to that. It's great. I love it. And I'm excited to hear it from start to finish. But that was really exciting. Being that Paramount building was incredible. As a musician, being in a studio like that was really 
inspiring and listening to Jordy talk about his new music and how he wrote it and his feelings towards it and just actively listening to an album like that was really, really lovely. Had an amazing time. Loved it. And then my brother is visiting this week, so we're going to be popping over to the Brock Zoo, the aquarium on Coney Island. All, you know, he's been on the podcast before. He's a zoologist. We have to check out all the animals living in the city. But yeah, I have a, I've had a busy week. And with that, let's get into this case. Tonight, I'm going to be covering the life, death, and afterlife of William M. Tweed, also known as Boss Tweed. On December 4th, 1875, Boss Tweed escaped from Ludlow Street Jail. I'm just going to call him Tweed because I hate when people call me Boss there's a lot of nicknames that like that, like a uh, dude, man, bro, boss, bud. They're all they're all not great. I don't like any of them. Bud. I can only get behind when certain people say it to me. Most people don't you dare, but a select few, fine. The rest of them you can keep. I don't need it. I don't want to hear it. Address me differently. Boss is near the bottom of that list, if not the bottom of the list. A sport. Sport's another one that's not great. But yeah, I'm going to call him Tweed, but he's known as Boss Tweed. Tweed was granted special privileges because he was a wealthy, popular, white, straight politician. Those privileges included a luxurious cell at the Ludlow Street Jail catered meals to jail now remember this is the late 1800s i'm sure celebrities or well-known people nowadays do get treated better but i don't think they're getting catered meals or carriage rides (laughs) which is also what boss tweed was given carriage rides whenever he liked as if he's fucking Cinderella. And he was also given supervised home visits, which is a big deal. Being away from family like that, I could not imagine. I mean, living in New York City, I am away from family, but like forcibly not being able to, like, the only contact you have with them is across the table. Like, that's awful. Not fun. So he gets to visit family Not often, but like every so often he can go home, spend time with his family. And on December 4th, 1875, that's exactly what he did. He visited his home on 647 Madison Avenue to see his wife, Jane. While visiting, Tweed was able to slip out the back door and fled to New Jersey. Because of course he did. Of course he did. He's privileged and doesn't believe he should be in jail for all the wrongdoings he did. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But like, of course he did. Even if he did wrong and knew he did wrong, he doesn't want to be in jail. So of course he's going to escape the moment he has the opportunity. 
just like every other person, the hundreds or even thousands of people who've attempted or succeeded at escaping prison. So you just make it easier by giving him home visits whenever he likes. But he fled to New Jersey. Two days later, a 10,000 bounty was put on his head. The description on the poster read, quote, he is about 5 feet 11 inches high, will weigh about 280 pounds, very portly, ruddy complexion, has rather large, coarse, prominent features, and large, prominent nose, unquote. It goes on from that, but damn, portly, ruddy, and coarse are not the most appealing words one could use to describe a person. Portly. Portly. I hate that. Coarse? I mean, coarse is... That just tells me you need lotion. But portly? Rudy, maybe he had rosacea. Or maybe when he drinks, he gets a red face. I know people like that. But they're not... The newspaper could have been kinder. But also that just is a signifier of how hated he was at this point. Okay, there was also a photo on the poster. He was at large for three months when he chose to flee to Cuba and then to Spain. In Spain, he worked as a seaman for about six months. So, who is William M. Tweed? Why was he in jail? And what does his middle initial M stand for? All of those questions will be answered right now. The quick answer is that he was a politician, he was arrested for stealing taxpayers' money, and his middle name is Mager, which was his mother's maiden name, though most people think it's Marcy for whatever reason. I think there was some mix-up on a news clipping or something like that, but Marcy is not his middle name. Mager. William Mager Tweed. The slightly longer answer is Tweed was born in April 3rd, 1823 on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. First generation after his parents moved to the U.S. from Scotland, which is, you know, I talked about Edinburgh, Scotland last season, so go check that out if you haven't already. Growing up, Tweed held many jobs, including a firefighter. Oh my god, y'all. Last week, I was crossing the street next to these three firefighters, and stereotypically, one of them was very fine. Anyway, at the time, all the firefighters were volunteers, of course, which led to heavy rivalries between the companies, which I didn't, I guess I never realized that that was a thing. That because they were volunteers, they wanted to prove that they were the better fire company, I guess. But sometimes fires would be ignored while different companies fought each other in the streets. Like, they weren't just rivalries. They were, like, gangs fighting in the streets while people died in a fire. It's crazy. Tweed was known to wield an axe in these battles. It's reminding me of, uh, 
Thanksgiving Anchorman or West Side Story. But yeah, he he carried an axe, uh, which is why he was eventually he eventually became the foreman of the Big Six Fire Company, which then led to Democratic politicians asking him to run for alderman in 1850 when he was around 26 years old. That election he did lose to the Whig Party, but he won the following year. He became associated with the 40 Thieves, which is, as the name suggests, it was a corrupt group of politicians. A year later, Tweed was elected to the United States House of Representatives. And after his two-term was up, he joined the Tammany Society, which was a political organization under the Democratic Party. He was appointed as one of 12 members on the New York uh, County Board of Supervisors. Eventually, he became the head of Tammany's General Committee. This is when he was referred to as boss, when he was head of Tammany's committee. He was not a lawyer, but had a law firm, and he used the law firm to extort money, which he disguised as legal services. He bought the New York Printing Company, which became the prime printer for the city. He was one of the largest real estate owners in New York City and had shares in Erie Railroad. He would have his friends elected to office, and they were known as the Tweed Ring, which is honestly really catchy. I hope they had t-shirts. Tweed Ring. I'm picturing the T-Birds, you know, from Greece, but the Tweed Ring. Maybe Greece got the idea from the Tweed Ring. All of this to say, he was a huge deal in New York City and was one of the most notable and influential. He was wealthy, but also remember he was stealing millions of dollars. So he was also involved in the New York Mutuals, which was a professional baseball team in the 1860s. And also a horrible name for a baseball team. The New York Mutuals. Awful name. Awful name. Oh my god, I just did my Stanley Cup bracket for the NHL today. And of course I had a root for my city's team, the New York Rangers. Also Kane from the Blackhawks is on that team now, so I kind of root for him as well. But... The New York Rangers, New York Islanders, and the New Jersey Devils, which is literally just over the river in Newark, New Jersey, are all in the playoffs. So I got to root for them. Though the first round is the New York Rangers and New Jersey Devils, and I kind of want to go to a game really badly. I don't know if I like the name New York Rangers. Definitely better than the New York Mutuals. I love New Jersey Devils, though. That's a fun sports name. 
New York's funny though. They have the Nets, the Jets, and the the Nets, the Jets, and the Mets. Oh, it's too much, too much rhyming going on, and yet still all better than the New York Mutuals. Okay, moving on. He made thousands from ticket sales and gambling, of course, off the baseball team. And he is credited, which this is something I didn't know and I found interested. interesting. He is credited for the practice of spring training. So he was like the first person to send his team to spring training before the regular season. So that was kind of interesting. And then from 1868 to 1873, Tweed was a member of the New York Senate. So he's made his rounds at this point. He's like, he's done the House. He's done the Senate. He's been an alderman. He's been head of a political party. He's he's done it all as a politician. So this is the point where he basically is taking over the city's government by electing men within the Tweed ring to any and all positions, including Mayor A. Okay, Hall, Richard Slippery Dick Connolly, and Peter B. Sweeney. There were definitely more, but those are the ones that, you know, were higher up. And if you thought I was just going to read through Slippery Dick as a name, you're mistaken. I hate the name. The name Dick for Richard is so annoying. I understand that it went from Richard to Rick to Dick, but like, it's just not a better name. Richard is still a better name. And penis jokes aside, Dick just isn't a nice sounding name. Dick. Stick with Richard. Especially if you're in politics. I get that Slippery Dick is supposed to be a jab and like shady, but slippery dick. I guess it is better than dry dick. Okay, moving on. All these people were defrauding taxpayers for millions, and it all led back to Tweed. Tweed would bribe people and had the majority, you know, in his Tweed ring, so he hired them, and so he had a majority backing him to pass whatever laws he needed Whatever laws were in his favor, he had backing because he was bribing people and he was hiring people. And he built his his own little tweed ring within the government. So the New York County Courthouse, known now as the Tweed Courthouse, is the second oldest building in Manhattan with construction beginning in 1861. This is a prime example of the shady dealings Tweed was involved with. So the cost of the courthouse rose to $13 million in 1861. $13 million in 1861, which is around $180 million today. And so for all of you to understand how much that is, for comparison, the state of Alaska was purchased in 1867 for 7.2 million. It was purchased six years later for almost half the cost. 
this one courthouse, $13 million, and the entire state of Alaska was 7.2. It's insane. And that is because certain workers were paid an extreme amount of money for their work. So, for example, a carpenter who worked for a month on the courthouse was paid $360,751, which is $5 million today. And there is very little woodwork in that building. So he worked for a month and was paid the equivalent of $5 million today for very little work. A plasterer was paid... $133,187 for two days of work. Tweed bought a marble quarry himself, like the entire quarry, and then sold the marble for the courthouse. So he profited from that as well. And so you can basically guess where the extra money and all of this is going, like right into his pocket. On the Upper East Side... Tweed and his ring would purchase undeveloped property, use the resources of the city to increase the value of the land, then sell the property at a higher value, pocketing the difference. Kind of like flipping a house, but using the city's money to improve the property instead of his own. Again, taking from the taxpayers. He had his hand in the building of the Brooklyn Bridge, Third Avenue Railway Company, Harlem Gaslight Company, the Guardian Savings Bank, and so on. And all of this shady wheeling and dealing came to an end from a different couple events. One being the death of James Watson, who was an auditor for Slippery Dick who also kept the records for the Tweed Ring. A Ring member tried destroying certain documentations, but when a replacement auditor took over, he exposed certain issues going on. Also, in 1871, the Orange Riots began, which was a conflict between Irish Protestants and the New York City Police Department. Over 60 civilians died during the riots. Part of the protesting was due to a ban on an Irish parade that was to celebrate an Irish uh, Protestant victory over Catholicism. More religious fighting, of course. Surprise, surprise. The Tammany Hall political group that Tweed was a huge part of was the one to ban the parade. This threw his power off balance. So during all of this political cartoonist, Thomas Nast had been attacking Tweed in the Harper Weekly. And you can look this up. There are tons, tons of political cartoons about uh, Tweed. And most of them, if not all of them, are made popular from Thomas Nast for Harper Weekly. Eventually, the truth came out and the information was all given to the New York Times. And when I say truth, I mean him taking taxpayer money and spending it towards property so he could pocket more and more money 
or him taking taxpayers' money to build this courthouse and overpay these people so then he would take, you know, then the people would give him back the money and he would pocket it or buying a quarry, et cetera, and so on so forth. All of that came out and it was all given to the New York Times. This exposed Tweed and there was a documentation that showed city contractors' money going directly into Tweed's pockets. So he was arrested. Because that's like a long time. 1871. Over 10 years of this bullshit. Of being a shady politician. Are we surprised? No, because it happens too often. 1850. 1851 is when he first won his first... uh political you know appointment so to 70 20 years 20 years he's been doing this shit but as you know he does have tons of money so he was able to pay the one million dollar bail in 1871 one million dollar bail that's how much they wanted to keep him in jail but he paid it but not only that, he was reelected to the state Senate four months later in November 1871. The men involved in the Tweed Ring began to flee the jurisdiction, having many going overseas. Intelligent. Tweed was arrested again and forced to give up all of his city positions. He posted bail again and was released this time spending $8 million to get out of jail. Tweed's first trial began in January 1873. However, the jury couldn't deliver a verdict, so they had to have a second trial, which that one did find him guilty of 204 of 220 counts, which is so many counts. I don't know too much about this, but I feel like when people are being accused of whatever, there will be, you know, two counts, five counts, 220 counts. That's insane. Insane. And the fact that he was found guilty of over 200 of them girl, you got to hide your tracks better if that's your bookkeeper is not doing their job if you're being convicted of 200 plus crimes. With that all being said, he was convicted. And the fine for those 204 counts, he was fined $12,000. Sorry, $12,750. That's it. for the millions he stole. That's all he owed. It's incredible. He was sentenced to 12 years as well. However, a higher court took a look at the case and reduced his time to one year. Again, rich, white, straight men really get away with so fucking much. It's insane. 
He didn't have to pay back, like, any of the money he stole. And he sat his ass in the jail for a year. You know he didn't learn his lesson in that year. You know it. Because after he was released, he was charged again by New York City, this time for $6 million in embezzled funds. The nice thing about this is that Tweed couldn't afford the $3 million bail, so he stayed in Ludlow Jail. But this is the time when he visited home and escaped to Spain while he was waiting trial for, you know, the next trial. So, while in Spain, Tweed was recognized by one of the political cartoons Thomas Nast made, and Tweed was arrested and brought back to the States on the USS Franklin on November 23, 1876. Tweed finally told the governor of New York that he would testify about the inner workings of the Tweed ring for his release. The governor, Tilden, agreed that, you know, if he were to rat out the other Tweed ring people, he would release Tweed. When Tweed testified to all of this, Tilden went back on his deal and refused to release Tweed, and Tweed died in Ludlow Jail, Ludlow Street Jail, on April 12, 1878, from pneumonia. He was buried in Brooklyn's Greenwood Cemetery. City Hall refused to fly the flag half-staff, which, again, really shows how everyone felt about his crimes. Also to backtrack for a second, the fact that the governor was like, yeah, I agree. I'll release you. Just let us know what happened and how you did it. And then he does. And the, <laughs> and the governor's like, never mind. Just joking. JK, you can die in prison. But with that, let's take a quick break. I will be back with the haunted Tweed courthouse. So don't go anywhere. Okay, so today Tweed Courthouse is used by the New York City Department of Education, and as someone who's taught in public schools in New York City, I can tell you I have never been in this courthouse, or what used to be the courthouse. I got fingerprinted and all that shit in Brooklyn, so I don't know which educators are using this building, or if it's just for meetings, or what the situation is, but apparently... The Tweed Courthouse is used by the New York City Department of Education. It sits right next to City Hall on the Manhattan side of the Brooklyn Bridge. However, 
when it was still being used as a courthouse is when the first sightings of ghosts began. The building's construction began in 1861 and continued till 1872 when John Kellum, the architect, passed away. A man named Elditzt took over and completed the building in 1881 with a different style, not wanting to copy what Kellum had started. So it's thoughtful. I get it. You want to do your own thing. But also, now the building has like two weird styles to it. I'll post the photos on Instagram, of course, and Twitter. Go follow them. Haunted Hometowns on Instagram. Haunted Hometown on Twitter, where the O's are zeros. You'll find it. Not long after William M. Tweed died in jail, his or another's shadowy figure was seen walking through a courtroom, entering through a closed door, and leaving through a closed door on the opposite side of the courtroom. And even though this ghost was seen by people working in the building, most of the paranormal events seem to happen at night, because of course they do. They're ghosts. Of course they happen at night. Just like horror movies happen in the pouring rain. It just, of course they do. Of course. The janitor that worked at night refused to go back into the building during his shift one night because he heard strange noises and saw shadows darting amongst the dimly lit corridors. He ended up not returning to his job. And not long after, his replacement was found outside the courthouse complaining about the same haunted activity. There's nothing creepier than knowing you should be alone, like alone in a space and then seeing, hearing, or even feeling as if you're not alone. There's a difference between... Oh yeah, there's probably someone else working late in the building and that's why there's an odd noise, blah, 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 making excuses. There's a difference between that and there is absolutely no way anyone could be in here with me. So what is that shadow I just saw? Those are two completely different things. So I don't think I would want to work there either if the descriptions are shadows darting amongst the dimly lit corridors shadows with an s so multiple shadows and darting is terrifying because darting suggests that they're like moving really quick and rigid during pope's exorcist trailers you know the previews before the movie i don't know the name of the movie but there's a new movie coming out with this girl who's like laying in bed and she's afraid of oh it's called boogeyman i think it's like a stephen king situation but she's afraid of something in the closet and the dad go checks the closet nothing's in the closet and he's like okay good night and then she sees she watches a shadow figure dart across her bedroom floor under her bed and then she of course looks and sees it and it's like terrifying but People seeing shadows dart through the courthouse. That's what that reminded me of. And with that being said, 
the opening scene reminded me a lot of like Monsters Inc. with this kid like really nervous and the door opens and stuff from a monster. So we know Disney is making all these live action movies. Why don't we do a live action Monsters Inc. and make it creepy? You had the opportunity with Dumbo and didn't really fulfill that. So let's do it with Monsters Inc. Let's get creepy. Let's get spooky. Let's get terrifying. But yeah, anything darting. That's also why I don't like spiders, really, because spiders dart. They're unpredictable. You don't know where they're going to run next. They're dart darters. That's why I don't like spiders. Anything that darts. If you're moving too quickly towards me, no, I'm not fucking with you. Stay away. Stay far away. Strange noises, I think I could get by, like, get over really quickly. It'd be like, okay, well, that's annoying. But, yeah, seeing these strange figures darting, shadow figures darting, no thank you. No thank you. These occurrences don't happen every night, of course, but they are definitely more prevalent when there is political unrest. Staff and visitors have seen a spirit that looks like Tweed standing in the spot where he was convicted of his crimes. Ludlow Street Jail was on the lower east side of Manhattan, but is now the Seward Park High School. Just a quick little fun fact. Tweed isn't the only historical figure that spent time in Ludlow Jail. The first woman to ever run for president, Victoria Woodhull, spent a month in that jail. She ran for president in 1872, which was around 50 years before women were even allowed to vote. 50 years before they could vote, she was running for president. Wild. Good for her. She was arrested on obscenity charges leading up to election day, so she wouldn't have the ability to vote for herself, even though she couldn't legally vote anyway. So, really dumb. Her story is interesting, so look her up. That is Victoria Woodhull. Look her up. Seward Park High School, which is now what that space is, not, no longer a jail. The high school is said to be haunted by prisoners of the former jail, including Tweed, who can be seen walking the halls. So imagine being in high school and all the bullshit you have to go through in high school and then also your school's haunted. That's a lot. It's too much. And then, of course, Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn is haunted. It's a gorgeous 478-acre cemetery in Park Slope with many notable people buried there. It was founded in 1883. So you know. Not overly haunted. But if you do visit Greenwood Cemetery, go find Tweed's headstone. If you visit the court, make sure you take tons of photos because maybe we'll see Tweed's face. What's wild to me is that I'm finding that these famous people are, or these famous people's ghosts 
are being seen in multiple locations. Uh, the biggest example of that is Abraham Lincoln. He's seen all over the fucking place. Chicago, Springfield, White House, etc. Seen all over the place. Why? I don't know. Do I believe that, you know, if you die in a house, you're stuck in that house as a ghost? No. But because it is familiar, maybe that's why these ghosts pop up at familiar places to them. But I don't know. It's interesting. Because Tweed is seen at this courthouse. Tweed is seen at this cemetery. He's seen at this now high school. Like, don't you have better ghostly things to do? I don't know what those would be, but don't you have them? But with that, thank you all for joining me this week for another episode of Haunted Hometowns. Again, check out the socials for photos related to each episode, guest info, upcoming news. If you have a paranormal experience of your own that you'd like me to share on the podcast, send them to hauntedhometownspodcast at gmail.com. Could be anything from a singing crocodile to blowing up like a balloon and floating away. Let me know. And I will meet you all back here in a week because everyone loves a ghost story. The theme song is by Tyre. Follow him on Instagram at Queer Popstar and go listen to his music streaming anywhere. The artwork is by Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram at p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z, fantastic artist. I got my information from Wikipedia, Politico, NY History, Ghosts of NY, and NY Ghosts.